I want to do kind of a fun, quick one today. Um, probably anyone who's listening to this, uh, it, this is probably superfluous and you already know this. Uh, but for those who haven't already explored uh, the term, I think, therefore, I am, and what it actually means as opposed to what it has been often presented to mean, uh, I would like to offer you a little explanation. And um, again, I hope this is—I hope this is a very quick little thing, which is to talk about what Descartes was actually thinking of before he wrote that. Will give you an idea of what he meant when he was writing that. And a lot of people think that out of context, I think therefore I am is a rather egotistical thing saying, well, I'm so brilliant, I'm a thinking machine, therefore I exist more so than anyone else. Well, that's baloney. That's absolutely not what he was talking about. Or at least not in that sort of egotistical sense. What he was actually thinking about before he got to this statement, which um, I want to actually, I want to actually talk to you about uh, the, the background of the terminology he used originally because he, re he, he didn't write this in, in English first and he certainly didn't, um, I mean he certainly didn't write in English as we know cogito ergo sum is the more commonly heard phrase. However, he didn't origi originally say this in Latin though he did at a later date but his original statement was in French. So of all the translation problems, you can imagine that, you know, words are pretty messy and, and words never ever mean one specific single thing. They always have sort of a fuzzy, a, f a fuzziness to them that includes a little bit of other things because that's the way our world works. Our, our universe is complex and nothing is ever totally black or white. Even when I talk about contraction and expansion, nothing is ever perfectly contracted or perfectly expanded within the universe at least. And possibly outside the universe there is some something that exists somewhere that is purely contraction but it, it can't be connected with anything else because there's no expansion and vice versa. So anyway, so if we look at what he meant before he even said this, what he was thinking about was he was exploring the idea of what can be proven, what can be known. And this is the core of philosophy. Philosophy is the study of knowledge or the love of knowledge. Officially, philo means love and sophie means knowledge or learning. So it's the, the love of learning. Uh, don't let all those academic philosophers confuse you because uh, that's what they like to do. I like to, to unconfuse people. I like to clarify things. So if, if you are someone who loves learning and loves knowledge, then you are a philosopher no matter what anyone else says. That's coming from me at least. So what he was looking at was, uh, what Descartes was, was exploring was, is there anything that we can absolutely prove, you know, without a doubt, unquestionable 100%. Well, again, as I was saying, there's there's nothing that's 100% anything in, in, within our universe. However, there is one thing that given the definitions that we're using of these terms, we can state at least one thing with 100% certainty. Again, that's that's 
reliant on the definitions of these terms, but given those definitions of terms, again, it's, it's similar to something like math, where given the terms that we have in algebra and arithmetic and, you know, these number systems, given those rules, then we can state things for fact. But those rules, the, the, um, the rules that we're given and that we're making assumptions of or presumptions of, uh, you know, if you look at a, a mathematical proof, at the beginning of it, it usually says, or at least, you know, when you're in school, you start off with given, blah, blah, blah. Given this, this is true, then we can, you know, work from there. But you cannot ever say given that something is true because there's, there's nothing else that we can prove is 100% true. So within this rule system of our language, of what it means to whatever you want to call it. Now in French, he used the term, um, actually, hang on a sec, I'm going to go look it up. I'm going to look up exactly what he said in French and I'll be right back. Okay, um, I just looked it up and I'm going to read you uh, the English translation of what he said in French, the, the sort of the paragraph. Um, Accordingly, seeing that our senses sometimes deceive us, I was willing to suppose that there existed nothing really such as they presented to us. And because some men err in reasoning and fall into paralogisms, even on the simplest matters of geometry, I, convinced that I was open to error as any other, rejected as false all of the reasonings I had hitherto taken for demonstrations. And finally, when I considered that the very same thoughts, or presentations, which we experience when awake, may also be experienced when we are asleep, while there is that time, while there, while there is at the time, at that time, not one of them true, it's hard to say. I suppose that all objects, or presentations, that had ever encountered entered into my mind when awake had in them no more truth than the illusions of my dreams. But immediately upon this I observed that, whilst I thus wished to think that all was false, I was abs it was absolutely necessary that I, who thus thought, should be somewhat something. And as I observed this truth, I think therefore I am, was so certain and of such evidence that no ground of doubt, however extravagant, could be alleged by the skeptics capable of shaking it, I concluded that I might, without scruple, accept it as the first principle of the philosophy of which I was in search. Now that's a lot of <laughs> fancy talk for what he was really saying was that uh, because our senses deceive us, we're, we're aware of the fact that our senses can deceive us. You know, there are optical illusions that when we went go exploring things, we realize that no matter how we look at them, they're, they're wrong. We just know that we're seeing it in a wrong way. Uh, because our other senses say so. So we know that in, in the, there's no purity to our, uh, our proof of anything that we observe. And since our senses are the only way we get information, as far as we know, that we can't trust our senses completely. So anything that we believe to be true can be totally inaccurate because our senses can lie to us. So having looked at that, he said, well, then I can't know anything is true, that what, whether I'm asleep or awake or, you know, whatever I'm observing, um, I can't know anything for a fact, except the fact that he realizes this, that he's aware that he's, uh, 
aware that something could be true or something could be false. But he's having an experience. And he calls it a thought. Uh, at least in English, we call it a thought. This thinking process. But you can call it whatever you want, and I'll go into that in a minute. But he, he has this realization that this experience of being aware that something might be true or something might be not true exists. This experience, and he calls it the I, you know, we, this, this awareness that there is an experience proves that something exists. And he uses the term I in this statement. Um, or in English, we use the term I for this statement. So literally what he's saying when he gets to the, this, this pure truth that he observes, I think, therefore I am, really means I'm experiencing something, therefore something exists. And since I'm saying I'm experiencing something, this thing that is experiencing something must exist, which is what we call I, therefore I exist. That's the only thing he's saying. He's saying literally, this thing that is experiencing something must exist because in order to experience some, something, you must be something. It doesn't mean you must be matter. It doesn't mean you must be energy. It doesn't mean anything. You can be supernatural. It, can, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that there's anything beyond the fact that there is this something that exists. And since we have termed this something that is aware of things existing, the self, the I, the me, therefore, this I thing exists. That's what he's saying. He's, he's not saying that he's some sort of superior being because he's thinking. He's just saying that this is the only thing we can absolutely prove beyond a doubt that this thing that can doubt <laughs> exists. And I should say in French, um, the term, and, and again, remember, this is what he originally said it in French, not in, not in English and not in um, Latin. The original French is je pense, or pense, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, je pense, donc je suis. Um, I did take French a little bit, so my pronunciation is probably not horribly off, but I, I can't say. Uh, je pense, donc je suis. And that is literally je is I or me. Um, pense, now this is the interesting term. Pense doesn't necessarily mean think. Now, if you think of the word pensive, pensive, I mean, it means thinking, but it means sort of a, a more a deep awareness of. So it's, it's not this higher functioning, you know, super problem solving thing. It is simply meaning an awareness, uh, pensiveness. Uh, oh, I'm sure there are other, there are other words that come from pense, P-E-N-S-E. Um, pensive certainly, you know, it goes back to Latin as well. However, when it when he brings it into, oh, I should finish that. Uh, donc is therefore thus whatever. Je suis J again I me and sui is. <laughs> I I am pensive, therefore I is. <laughs> If you can want to think of it in that in those more literal terms, um, now cogito ergo sum, when he goes into the Latin cogito, again, 
it's not as complex as we might like to make it think. It's it's not this super complex uh, problem-solving mode. It is literally just the thinking process, the awareness process, the ability to compare x with y, uh, the ability to compare what you want with what you have, the ability to compare is this something good, is this something bad, which even single-celled organisms do. So, if you really think about it, what he's saying is everything that is aware of something else exists. Now, of course, we can't determine what these things, these eyes, these little, these little me's, these little individuals, we can't really say what they're aware of. However, if we start exploring the term awareness, and what that means, then we can get even deeper. Um, but I'm not going to go into that today, because I just really wanted to talk about poor little I think therefore I am, and, and how it gets taken so out of context, where uh, the, the more original, in-context version is pretty cool, and it is literally just saying something exists, but that's all I can prove. And there's something that exists we call I, the self, the individual, the awareness experience, the experience of having awareness. Um, and that's all it says. It's, it's nothing more than that. That the only thing that we can prove with on, without any doubt whatsoever, the only thing that is totally doubtless, 100% provable, given our linguistic terminology, is that something exists and that something is awareness. Awareness exists. Okay, what do you think? Did that help? Did you know that? Uh, was my reading horrible and <laughs> stumbly when I was trying to read complicated words like paralogisms? Uh, anyway, if you want to give me a, an email, my email is thewiseturtle at gmail.com. I'm over on Reddit at user turl, T-U-R-I-L, and I'm also at turl, T-U-R-I-L, dot org, which takes you to my website, or my blog, anyway. Um, and I look forward to hearing from you. Okay, have fun existing. <laughs>